to the Wellesley Free Library Book Report, book rankings and recommendations for when you're ready to read. I'm Heather Lee Byrne, Information Services Librarian at the Wellesley Free Library. Thanks for joining us for Episode 7 of the Book Report Podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking with the Head of Information Services here at the Wellesley Free Library, Sue Hamelos. We're going to be talking about a thriller today, Taylor Moore's Firestorm. I'm really happy to have Sue on the podcast and to hear her thoughts about this book. Last episode, we talked a little about some of the digital ebook and audiobook options available through the apps Libby and Hoopla. But the Wellesley Free Library also maintains a great collection of CD audiobooks. Sometimes patrons might prefer to have the familiarity or convenience of the CD audio format, and we have tons of great titles available. The full Wellesley Reader's Report lists the top audiobook titles at Wellesley for each two-week reporting period, and it's a great place to look for your next listen. Find the full Reader's Report at wellesleyfreelibrary.org slash book report. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Wellesley Free Library Book Report. (laughs) Thank you very much for inviting me to come, Heather Lee. I really appreciate it. And hopefully someone will discover a new author today that they had not known was out there for them. Yeah, it's certainly a new author to me. I enjoy thrillers, but I don't... They're kind of in rotation with a bunch of other genres for me, so I don't always come up with the newest ones. Um, How did you hear about this book? It's very interesting. I actually... I subscribe to NetGalley, which mm-hmm. is a resource there where you can go and sign up for it, and you are able then to look at new things put out by publishers. They make them available, and you can read them, and they have now started to allow you to listen to them. Oh, so, so you can do you can listen to audiobooks on NetGalley yes, now? Yes, yes, you can. There, there are some publishers that are still allowing you to do that, but I just have to say that uh, the biggest thing is it just has all those publishers that you absolutely love, Mm -hmm. the big names Mm -hmm. that you're always going to find. And whenever you see somebody new, well, then you think, oh, well, this looks really interesting. And what really caught it for me, because they put up the book jackets there, is that it looked like it was a cowboy. Mm. And of course, with my age, when I was growing up, I watched a lot of cowboy shows Mm -hmm. out there. And so that was kind of interesting, but then it was a thriller. When I read the synopsis, it had me hooked. And then I started seeing reviews for it um, in some of the journals that we look at. And I was hooked once I started reading. From the very beginning, Taylor Moore is able to get the adrenaline going, and it just goes throughout the entire (laughs) book. And I have read lots of other people's takes on him, and I have to tell you, he has got this down pat. He has a unique genre that he's doing. It's not just a thriller. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a Western thriller. Mm-hmm. So if you like books that are in Texas or out in the Southwest, and you're interested in being able to discover what goes on in those areas and learn something about it, and that's what a lot of reading is. It's learning something new every mm-hmm. time that you read a book. And so with this, it takes place in Texas and Believe me, I'm learning a lot about the panhandle of Texas with this. (laughs) That sounds really interesting. So I bet people are curious. Can you give a brief synopsis of the book? Yes. This book is actually the sequel to Downrange, which was the first one. And that's where you're introduced to Garrett. And he is in Afghanistan working for the CIA, although he is 
actually a DEA agent. Background is in military intelligence. He also uh, works on some of the counter-narcotics cases Mm. that were going on. So he's in Mexico. But of course, there's a lot of narcotics going on over in Afghanistan Mm. and Iran and in a lot of areas over there. So he takes you from there back to Texas because he is bringing home with him in downrange a young man who witnessed his mother and father and whole village being slaughtered by people. But he managed to get away and run towards Garrett. Mm-hmm. Garrett does not really have any young children in his life, but seeing a child who is looking with desperate eyes at you, please save me, mm-hmm. he was able then to uh, try to come to his aid. Then he starts out by sneaking him back to the United States oh, wow. to keep him away from uh, the people in Afghanistan who know that this young man witnessed the slaughter of his village. Mm. So he goes back to Texas where he has this kind of odd relationship with his father. Mm. and But that's the only place he knew where he could go and bring Asadi, which was the young man's uh, name at that point. Uh, we we're able to see how the father welcomes the young man, Asadi, mm-hmm. but he's really cold towards Garrett. But you get some background then as the story goes on on Garrett and how loyal he is, not just to his family, because he really cares about his father, um, and he also cares about Texas. He goes back to his hometown where he sees all of these old girlfriends that he had (laughs) and people that he had um, bad relationships with. And so that story goes on. And Mm -hmm. once that one's resolved firestorm starts out. Because he is a DEA agent and working with drugs, one of his friends asked him to go down to Mexico with him to try to stop this one cartel. So that's how it starts out. When he gets back from there, um, he finds out that there is a new um, company that has come in. and It's called the Talon, T-A-L-O-N company. And they are actually an energy company and they're mining for rare minerals and of course the significance of rare minerals is that we're using a lot of these for high-tech um, production mm-hmm. computers and yep. all of the other things Batteries, that yes kind of exactly uh-huh. lithium um, but they want to do it on his land mm. so his father says no i don't want you on there the state forces him to let them go. The state or the federal government, one of the governments, allows him to uh, allows them to come onto their land and start digging it up because they're looking for concentrations of this mm-hmm. particular mineral that they are, so that they can use it. So um, he feels for his family because this company is not just a company. This mm-hmm. company is actually being backed by the Russian government, and there are Russian mercenaries that are coming in, and they are threatening people and killing Mm. people, and then they start threatening his family. Oh, my goodness. Very exciting. Very compelling. (laughs) And it never stops throughout the whole thing. So, But he is quite loyal to everyone. That's one of the the pluses of this, Mm -hmm. finding out about how cowboys really are. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like kind of a modern take on the uh, cowboy theme. 
Um, I just wanted to mention that the reason why he is able to do all of this is because of his background. He actually was in the CIA uh and he was in in the Department of Defense. And because he has all these contacts there, he still knows about things that are going on. But because he's always thinking about military intelligence, whenever he reads something, he always questions it like he is a military officer. Mm -hmm. And of course, this was, he started writing this book two years before. Mm -hmm. And right, right when the pandemic was coming, that's when we really began to realize, hey, we need all these rare minerals Mm -hmm. and China has 80% of them. Mm -hmm. So that's why Russia is looking to be able to get their own supply. And you've also seen how some of these foreign countries are coming in and buying up all of the open land in the United States. Mm. So all these are current event type things that Mm -hmm. come out. And I think that uh, you will be more aware of them once you read this book. Yeah, no. Okay. So a lot of different things coming in. Uh, What I want to ask, what did you expect going into reading it? But you obviously had your expectations set from the first novel. So maybe I should more say, what did you expect from the first novel when you were going into reading it? I was looking for something different Mm -hmm. because you can read so many thrillers and every once in a while you have to have a break from that. But I'd never seen a thriller that was like this, Mm -hmm. where you had all of those. You have the spies coming in, you Mm -hmm. have... um, governments that are doing things they shouldn't do. You have um, people here in the United States um, that are trying to protect their homes. But I've always been fascinated by cowboys. <laughs> so the so, cowboy layer really helped, yeah. um, helped sell it for you. Yeah, that's okay. why the cover with the cowboy on it really hooked it pulled me. you in. Okay, yes. so it sounds like the book measured up to your expectations. Surpassed them. Surp- surpassed them. And they so you did. would say that for both of these books, both the first and second? Yes, I really liked the first one. And it, he actually won, I believe it's the Barry Award, which mm. is um, an award for uh, first-time novelists. He actually started writing back in... 2000, but nearly, never really did much with it. But mm-hmm. then after he finished working for the government, mm-hmm. then he said, well, I'm going to spend my time writing some. And so he began to do that. And of course, it's always very time intensive. You think somebody just whips these out. Mm-hmm. They don't. It takes years in order to be able to get these published. Yeah. No, there's a lot going into the publishing process and a lot of things that, um, you know, make it challenging, especially with the pandemic, because as yes. you, you mentioned that, that we, we weren't really thinking about certain things and it kind of changed yeah. everyone's consciousness. Right. Do you think that the some of these things that became we became more aware of, like the supply chain shortages and the way that production has been organized globally? Do you think that that made this book more relevant than it might have been had we not had a pandemic? I think it probably did. I think that everyone realizes that we are global right now mm-hmm. and we realize we are producing a lot of things. Well, it comes out very clearly when we look at petroleum mm-hmm. and we're waiting for all these shipments to come from overseas and we've shut down all of ours and we begin to worry about, is this the way that we want to go? Mm-hmm. Can we be reliant on all these other countries or are they going to fail us? Mm-hmm. And 
We didn't want to just be seclusion, be, mm-hmm. be secluded from the world, but we have to be sure that we're taking care of ourselves too. And going forward, I think that will be more in the back of our minds because look how long we've waited for so many things. And we're still not able to get chips for a lot of the cars. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're still not able to buy new cars. And if we are, we're paying a lot more for them than what we yeah, used to. A lot of disruptions, a lot of things that are different. And when you were talking about rare earth minerals, I was thinking a lot of the renewable sources of energy that yes. people are looking toward do depend on these mm-hmm. um, these inputs. And that's something that is really exciting that there's mm-hmm. all this emerging technology, but it's also something that we haven't pinned down yet. We don't know exactly how everything's going to be produced. Yes, um, and true. it leaves a lot of questions. So this this sounds like a really exciting take on imagining how things could kind of go. Were there any themes that stood out to you particularly in this book? You were talking about Western, family, globalization. A lot of government interference, uh, terrorism, a lot of, as I said before, being devoted to your family and your country. I think that drama <laughs> mm-hmm. is in, in, invested in this also, but the... The biggest thing is action and adventure, I think, on this. Mm-hmm. If you like things that move quickly, I think that you would really like this. Mm, that sounds really fun. Um, so I have definitely read some things that have said that the thriller novel is the novel of our age because it deals with these huge forces that one person can't really control and is sort of at the mercy of. How do you see this character? Is his name Garrett? Yes, Garrett as- Cole navigating these forces do you feel like he has a lot of agency or does is he kind of at the whims of these gigantic larger than anyone forces i think that garrett really wants to get away from the things that he has been doing but he knows how to navigate in that particular type of world Mm -hmm. he also has a lot of connections with people that are in the cia and in Department of Defense that he can call on them when he needs to have a little bit of help. But information is power, and he does know where to be able to get it. Hmm. Okay, that sounds very exciting. Can you think of a moment in the book that was very suspenseful? Well, when you look at the name Firestorm, mm-hmm. you wonder what is that firestorm? I'm, yeah, there's an open question yes, right yes. there in the title. <laughs> sure, sure is. And because he has family... And he's very protective. And, of course, Asadi, his adopted son from Afghanistan, when he finds out that these people, these mercenaries from Talon have set fire out there on the range, and these families are actually trapped, and how are they going to be able to get in and save them? That was very, very suspenseful for me, Um, wondering, are they going to make it out? His best friend's in there. His children are in there and these mercenaries didn't care they just wanted to get what they wanted and to eliminate this family so they could go in and get the minerals oh my goodness so that one for me was very suspenseful there are several others there's one where he is having to actually rescue a CIA agent who he had worked with mm-hmm. and he she is being held hostage by one of the Russian spies mm. uh, who wants what he wants. They're, they're willing to do anything mm-hmm. to get 
what they mm-hmm. want. Yeah, no, that sounds very suspenseful. I think the, um, the CIA agent held hostage was in the like tagline that I did read oh, about the book. Yes. So, um, I was and you know, to- I saw that too. Mm-hmm. And they make that so that that is is the most like like the focus of this book. Mm-hmm. But it really isn't, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It's all these other things coming together, and it's a great mesh of ideas and themes coming together that makes it so successful. His characters are so well drawn that you just want to find out what's going to happen to them, and you want to see that they are protected. And mm-hmm. how can this happen, mm-hmm. you know? And Garrett is the man who can try to stop these bad influences from happening to his family's life. <laughs> well, great. That does sound very suspenseful and very exciting. Um, you mentioned that this book surpassed your expectations and really seemed different than some of the other thrillers that you enjoy. I think you mentioned that being in the United States was kind of a little different. Is that is that different from a lot of thrillers that you've read? Were they more internationally based? I'm just curious. I believe they always have an element of being in foreign lands, but mm-hmm. somehow it it circles back to being here Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the United States. It could be, I mean, Vince Flynn's books do that. Mm -hmm. He's got, he's got characters who are going all over the world doing Mm -hmm. things. And, uh, but they always come back to the federal government Mm -hmm. and what are they going to do to help? And are they helping him or are they hindering him? Mm -hmm. So Vince Flynn really does a really great job with that. Uh, Another, another thriller writer that, is really good about getting you to like the characters, but he also keeps you engaged because of the humor. I didn't find a lot of humor in this particular one, mm-hmm. but this is just another element. But Nelson DeMille writes a great thriller, ah. and he's able to keep you engaged uh, with a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Corey is one of my favorite characters, and that's one of his biggest series and mm-hmm. he has another one coming out, just to throw that in there. The Maze <laughs> have been waiting for two years for this to be released. And finally, it is coming out in October. So uh, a lot of good things that are going to be happening this fall with, with authors and or publications. Great. Yeah, it's wonderful to know what's coming, to get excited. And it's really great to have some options. Um, yes. To really... And just so you know, this firestorm is coming out, but he's already... Taylor Moore has already written the third one. doesn't have a name yet, but it has to do with nuclear energy. So we'll have that one. And now he's finished that one. He's starting on the fourth one. So you have a lot to look forward to going forward in the next couple of years. Yeah, so it's great to catch these series as their first um, happening so that you get to kind of uh, grow along with the characters and see these really current, it sounds like, themes that are emerging through through the book. And don't forget when you're reading books that we also have lots of audio books and there are some of the best readers that are doing these. So uh, listen to that. It really does bring the story to life. For you, and even if you're not in your car driving around like mm-hmm. you used to, um, you can put your headphones on when you're doing housework, when you're working on something at home where you don't have to focus your attention. Being on a computer is not a good time, but when you're doing other things around the house, yard work, whatever, pick up one of those audiobooks. They're great. We have them in audio <laughs> CDs as well as in playaways, which are really small, and you can just put them in your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get a lot of folding done <laughs> while yes. listening to various things, yes. whether it's an audiobook or a podcast. Yes, so. and it could also be a downloadable from Libby yeah. or from um, Hoopla. Hoopla. 
Yeah, so we have some really great options for that now. And I think more and more people are starting to take advantage of those. So did you listen to these books or did you read them? I'm curious. You know, I read them as advanced reading copies. Oh, that's right. Both of them. (laughs) So I didn't, but I really thought, well, if I have time, I want to go back and I want to listen to it. Mm -hmm. But I have to tell you that there's so many new ones coming out that I never have time (laughs) to go back and listen to it as well. But I uh, certainly would have, that would have been my preference was mm-hmm. to listen to it because I do feel like it's like just unfolds before me and, and I feel like I'm right there. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Sue, for this recommendation of Taylor Morse Firestorm. I can't wait to um, check it out and see what other books are out there for our listeners. So thank you very much for being here today. So happy to be here. And now the Wellesley Reader's Report, Adult Fiction. The first book in fiction this week is last episode's recommendation from our fiction selector librarian, Megan Flynn. So please check out episode six of the Wellesley Free Library podcast to hear our thoughts on that book. The next two books on our list are by the same author, Colleen Hoover, who is causing quite a stir right now because she has an astounding six titles on the New York Times paperback bestseller list. There's a great article about her in the New York Times that I'll link to in the show notes that talks about her author journey, starting out self-publishing and then working with publishers, though sometimes managing to retain her ebook rights in order to bring her books to even more readers. The second place book this week is Hoover's romance, It Ends With with Us, which is from 2016, but due to Hoover's immense popularity, her backlist titles have been gaining a lot of traction recently. Number three is her 2021 mega-hit Verity, which has won high praise for its twists and use of suspense and has been a staple on our podcast lists since we began. Adult nonfiction number one is These Precious Days by Anne Patchett, which Deb Berenbaum spoke to us in episode two of the Book Report podcast. This shows up on our reader's report, not just as the top title in nonfiction, but also as the top title in the audiobook category. Remember that we have that whole reader's report available with clickable links to each book in our catalog at wellesleyfreelibrary.org slash book report. Patchett narrates the audiobook version on this list topper, which is quite likely seeing so much activity because it's next month's pick for Deb's Friday Morning Book Group, which meets at 10 a.m. the third Friday of every month. Check out episode two of this podcast for Deb's thoughtful recommendation and consider joining the discussion. Number two is Autolengi Simple, a cookbook by Israeli-born British chef, restaurateur, and food writer Yotem Autolengi. It's rare to see a cookbook make it onto our nonfiction list, but this week Autolengi has two books at the top of our cookbook list, again available on the book report page of the Wellesley Free Library website. Mystery. Number one in mystery this week is a familiar title to this list, The Madness of Crowds by Louise Penny, in which Chief Inspector Armand Gamache returns to Three Pines and becomes embroiled in a university debate about censorship and freedom of speech and, of course, a murder. The second and third titles today are both by Dorothy Gilman, Mrs. Polifax Pursued, and The Amazing Mrs. Polifax. I was unfamiliar with these cozy page turners. Mrs. Polifax is the most unlikely and lovable of international spies. The New York Times says Mrs. Polifax gives Agatha Christie's Miss Marple a rival to reckon with. 
science fiction. In science fiction today, we have a very classic lineup with Dune Messiah by Frank Herbert at number one, still enjoying a burst of recognition with first-time readers who are introduced to the series by the new films. Second is The Ocean at the End of the Lane by Neil Gaiman, a modern classic collection of short stories. And the third is the genre-defining epic fantasy The Fellowship of the Ring, being the first part of The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien. DVD. Number one this week is Elvis, the musical biodrama directed by Baz Luhrmann with Austin Butler starring as the King of Rock and Roll. It debuted at this year's Cannes Film Festival and has gone on to become the second highest grossing music biopic of all time. Number two, Thor Love and Thunder is one of the recommendations in our upcoming episode of the Book Report podcast, so tune in in two weeks to find that interview. This recent Marvel Cinematic Universe installment hits more on the comedic end of Marvel films and stars Natalie Portman along with the usual chaotic cast directed by Taika Waititi. Holding on at number three is Jurassic World Dominion, Dinosaurs Galore. So many dinosaurs. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Wellesley Free Library podcast. Special thanks to library director Jamie Jurgensen, assistant director Kara Rothman, head of information services Sue Hamelos, both for her support of this project and for joining us for our recommendation today. All of the information services department, the WFL IT department, especially Axel Thompson, Jeremy Goldstein from the Minuteman Library Network, and to library patrons like you who make this work interesting and rewarding. Please reach out to us with thoughts, comments, and questions via email at wflbookreport at Thanks for listening.